we get timid about it. We're afraid somebody's going to come and debate us on it. And the truth of the matter is you can't debate truth. It's always going to be truth. It's never going to be anything other than that. And uh, we've not been called to debate it. We're called to declare it. Amen? So we just give Scripture out and let the Word of God do its work. Well, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Very familiar passage of Scripture, a story. And we're going to try to be brief. I'll promise to speak quickly if you'll listen quickly. All right? And uh, we're going to begin down. Let's start. Oh, we'll probably start around. Um, let's start in verse number 25. And when the men of Israel uh, and the men of Israel said, "Have you seen this man that has come up surely to divide to fight Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches." And will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. Lord, what a great, great truth is found in this passage that so many times is overlooked. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to miss it this morning, something vital to our Christian lives. I pray that you would help the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds. And Father, it matters very, very little what I say, but it certainly matters what your Holy Spirit will do in the hearts of men that are here this morning. Lord, if there's someone in here that does not know you as their Savior, they're not sure if they died right now that they would go to heaven, I pray that through the preaching of your Word and the convicting of your Holy Spirit that they'll see that need and that they will get that matter settled before they leave the building today. And Father, for Christians that are here, I pray that you would help us to have our hearts inclined to your truth, that we will lean forward and stretch forward to hear it and to understand the importance of it and the urgency of it in the day that we live. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and bless the time that we spend here together around your word. 
that you would fill us with your power, both from the speaker to the listener. I pray that you would help the Holy Spirit to have free reign and free course in the service this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've read here a very familiar portion of the story of David and Goliath, and really the chapter is basically about two different champions. It's a, certainly a champion that the Philistines had uh, sought out, and uh, they called him Goliath, and he had challenged the armies of the living God. And uh, there's interesting things to note as we get ready to look at this particular area of a passage of Scripture that there is a distinction between the champion of the Philistines and the champion of God. If you'll notice, and if you take your Bibles and turn back to the beginning of the chapter in chapter number 17, you'll notice beginning in verse number uh, about 3, I believe it is, and down through about 8, you'll find that the champion of the Philistines is described in detail. They give his height and his stature. They talk about his armor and the weight of the chain of mail and his shield. The fact that he was a very tall fellow of just under 10 feet as far as we can figure from Scripture. The fact that he had an armor bearer that bore his shield before him. It was so large. And uh, certainly everything that we look about this champion would be something that we would look at and say from a human perspective is very impressive to say the least. And then top on top of that, the fact that he had been a man of war from his youth. But can I tell you this, that from the onset, the champion of the Philistines was only a champion because of what he was outwardly. You won't find a description of Goliath's character or his heart or his integrity. The other champion comes on the scene. There's not a whole lot impressive about God's champion, is there? Not from man's perspective. In fact, he doesn't have a whole lot to offer outwardly. In fact, he showed up to the battle and didn't even bring a sword with him. What kind of a soldier would that be? He's just a little shepherd boy, and as far as we can tell, a pretty young fella. Saul referred to him as a youth. And we find that this young little shepherd boy was... Certainly a champion, but he wasn't a champion because of what he was outwardly. He was a champion because of what he was inwardly. You'll find as you get to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 16 that Saul had done some things that displeased God in dealing with the Amalekites. The Bible says that God takes his spirit off of Saul in chapter number 16 and verse number 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And just let me say this, that I believe from the time that God took his hand off of Saul, he no longer had the power of God on his life. Because he had not the power of God on his life, he did not have the perception to be able to see things the way that God intended for his people to see them. We get into chapter number 17, and I want you to look with me as we get down to verse number 9 and verse number 10. The Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And I want you to notice this in verse number 11. When Saul and all Israel, do you see that? We're not talking here about just a select few, but understand that the nation of Israel was in a quandary and they were perplexed by the situation that was going on. They were in array with the Philistines warring against each other. And the nation of Israel, as they should have been, were looking to their king for leadership. 
And as long as Saul remained constant in his devotion to God and would look to God for his help, Saul was a good leader. But we find that since God had taken his spirit off of him, that Saul was at a loss of what to do. Saul didn't know what should happen. The Bible says in verse number 11, And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, look at this, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now now understand the, the spirit in the camp, if you will. The, the armies of the living God were fearful because they're looking to their leader and their leader sitting there saying, I don't know. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. They're in dismay. They're in disarray. Saul, Saul is so perplexed by the situation, he's willing to give almost anything for somebody to step forward and say, I'll take care of it. And when, Daniel, or when David arrives on the scene, uh, and, and inquires about what's supposed to be done under the man that kills the Philistines. Saul had said, listen, I'll give him my daughter, I'll give him my riches, I'll give him my wealth. Uh, what more can I do? Uh, is there anybody, anybody that will stand up and fight the Philistines? Understand that the entire armies of Israel were powerless. They had lost the power of God. And David walks into the camp and suddenly the spirit changes. This uh, this entire camp, including the king himself, were so dismayed and perplexed. And here comes little David. David walks on the scene, and that's where we pick up here as we get down to verse number 27. And Eliab, verse number 28, I'm sorry. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. And an audience of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And I want you to notice here that we went from a, a, a nation that was at a loss of what to do to a little shepherd boy walking in. And I need to back up a couple of verses here. And David said unto the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine? And I look at this in verse 26. And taketh away the, what's the next word here? The reproach from Israel. Notice this, that their faithlessness, their lack of having God's power upon them, was a reproach to the nation of Israel. Those that were the ungodly nations that looked upon them would look at them and say they're powerless. It was a reproach to the name of Christ, to the name of their God, who was the one true God. It says, who, what should be done to the, uh, the man that killed this Philistine? Take away the reproach from Israel. Look at this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Boy, what a difference in spirit. No longer is there all these men sitting around biting their nails saying, wonder who's going to go fight the giant. I want you to notice this, that while the entire Israelite army and Saul looked upon the Philistine champion for what he was outwardly, David looked at what he was inwardly. And David recognized that this was not a war between a man and a boy, but it was a battle that was taking place between evil and God's righteousness. And he realized that this battle was not to be fought by the externals, but was to be fought by the internals. 
And when he looked at Goliath, he doesn't see the tall Goliath. He doesn't see the shield and the spear. I'm sure he saw them physically, but mattered little to David. Because when he saw what Goliath was inwardly, David said he's no man at all. He's not even a match for the almighty God of the nation of Israel. But we live in such a day that we have lost the power. And too many times we look at the battle and we are perplexed. We are in disarray. What God needs are some people that will come along and say, I need God's power. Saul had armor. Saul had a position of leadership. But he had no power. And along comes David. He says, time out, fellas. What are you all talking about? This, This fellow over here, this joker is defying our God, and you're afraid of Him? Look what it says here in verse number 29. As his brother Eliab had criticized for what he had done. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? I want you to notice two things about David very quickly, and we're going to move on. First of all, I want you to know that when he had God's power on him, he had a clear perception of the problem. You see the distinction? The nation of Israel and Saul looked at the problem from a strictly external point of view. Because they lack God's power. But a man of God who had the power of God on his life had the clear perception. His vision was clear. It was not blurred. He could understand fully the exact battle that was taking place and to recognize that it was no match for an almighty God. His perception was clear. And I want you to notice, secondly, because of God's power in his life, he was a very persistent fellow. Eliab, his eldest brother, comes and criticizes him. And I know a lot of Christians, when they suffer the least little bit of opposition or persecution in serving God, they, they say, okay, I'm sorry, time out. I, I'll go over here. I don't want to be offended by that. I don't want to be persecuted for doing the cause of Christ. But not a man with the power of God on his life. Look what the Bible says, verse number 30. And he turned from him to another toward another, and spake after the same manner. Man, what a man of persistence. Can I tell you this, by the way? When you have God's power on your life, and you know without any shadow of a doubt you have truth on your side, it's easy to be persistent, isn't it? The, timid, the, the, the timidity that comes in the Christian life and the embarrassment of, of standing for truth comes because we've lost God's power. His Spirit has been taken away from us in our hearts no longer filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean that He doesn't live inside of us. We're sealed in our salvation to the day of redemption. But the power that He wants to rest upon us is gone. It's left us. To be able to do God's work, God's way, but also with His power, has left. I want you to notice as David comes before the king, look with me very quickly. And David, Verse number 32, And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight the Philist- with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Watch this, watch what it says. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. 
There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. David had been entrusted. He was entrusted with an entire flock of sheep. I know there are some people who say, well, you know, it was just one sheep. What, what was the big deal about one sheep? Well, I think most of us have heard and read stories, especially of bears. And I, I don't know so much about lions as much as I do about bears. But I know this, that when a bear out in the wild comes upon a camper and finds food, a food source, even if that camper packs up and moves... That bear knows that the food source is there, and so he begins to follow him and will continue to track that food. And can I tell you this, that had David not gone out after the one sheep, it wouldn't have been very long before the bear would have been back again to get another sheep, and then another, and then another. And can I tell you this, that you and I are entrusted in our lives with things that God gives us, certain talents, certain possessions, certain things that God brings into our life. And He entrusts those to us to the stewardship that is to be used to glorify Him and to accomplish His work. And the bear comes. And the lion comes. That old devil has a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he tries to get some of what God's given to us. And here's the sad part of it. As God's people so often we think, well, it's just a small little bit. What's the harm? It's not going to really hurt. And that old devil takes one of the sheep. It's not long before we don't do something about it. He takes another, and then another, and then another. I want you to notice what David did. The Bible says in verse number 34, And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things I've seen when I've gone to the parks where there are bears, they say, don't anger the bears. You anger a bear, what's going to happen? He's going to come after you, isn't he? Well, that's what David did. The Bible says he smote him. I don't know if he did it with his rod or with a slingshot, but somehow he smote that bear and that lion and caused him to drop the sheep. But look what the Bible says. And when he rose against me. Can I tell you this? The old bear is going to come and try to rise against us. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. The Bible says that when this bear rose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Now notice that the faith that David has when he comes into the camp that day is because he has already seen God give him the victory. But I want you to notice the difference here. He's looking at the Philistine and saying, I can, I can do this, King Saul, because I know that God will help us to remove the reproach that this man is causing to the name of God. And he steps out into the public arena and puts his faith on display and says, King Saul, let me add him. But I want you to notice this, that David's faith in the public arena came because 
before this time in a private arena. God was faithful to him. Can I tell you this? That the great battles of our lives are not the battles that are fought in the public arena. I'm not trying to discredit what what took place with Goliath, because certainly God worked a miracle. But can I tell you this? The greater miracle was what God did with David with the lion and the bear. There wasn't anybody else around. And can I tell you this? The battles that you and I fought or fight in the private arenas of our lives are the most critical battles we fight. They're battles of character. They're battles of integrity. We live in a day and age where those words are not used very much. At least not in a good, not in a good sense. And how often do we attempt to do God's work in the public arena and yet we have failed Him in the private arena? David, when no one else was looking, I doubt that if one of those sheep had come up missing, that that would have been a major thing with his dad. But it was certainly a major thing for David. David, who could put his trust in God when no one else was looking. David, who fought the battle that would have been just as easy to cower and to walk away from and say, I don't want to muddy my hands with it or get get dirty in this. The battle of his mind in the battle of the private arena of his life when no one else is looking. You see, it's easy for a Christian many times to come to church and to be something on Sunday. But what are we the rest of the week? We have some battles that come, don't we? Battles where our fellow church members don't see them. They don't know if we're successful with them or not. Battles where our spouse doesn't see, our children don't see. What do we do in those times? David said, not even one of my sheep. Not even one of what my father has entrusted me with am I going to allow to be sacrificed to the enemy. Not even one. No wonder God could trust him in the public arena. No wonder God would keep a hand of power upon him to do a work that the entire nation of Israel could not do. To do a work that not even King Saul, with all of the power and prestige that he had, and all the leadership that he had, not even Saul could do it. But a small little shepherd boy who knew what it was to fight in the private arena of his life and to see God's power displayed in a mighty way could walk into the public arena and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armies of the living God? By the way, we live in a world that, I'll be honest with you, are doing as bad or worse at defying the armies of God than this Philistine did. And I asked the question this morning, where are the Davids? Where are the Davids? 
A lot of them try to get up in the public realm and they fall flat on their face because they've lost the power the Spirit of God has departed from them. Can I urge you this morning? Let's rely on God, not just on Sunday, but let's rely on Him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We spoke about it last Wednesday night as we studied the cost of discipleship. That God has made a way of escape. We're involved in a great spiritual battle, folks. This isn't just a battle about politics or civil liberties or moral issues. This is a spiritual battle that's going on in the day and age that we live. And it will be won or lost based on how God empowers and enables His people to fight the battle. And can I tell you that it's not dependent upon Him as to how much He's willing to use His power on our lives. It's dependent upon us. We're the ones that quench the Holy Spirit. We're the ones that grieve the Holy Spirit. It's God's desire that we have victory in the Christian life. That we have life and we have it more abundantly. We have a life that is used mightily of Him. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Those exceeding abundant things that He longs to do in our lives are only dependent upon does God's power rest upon us. When you walk into the camp, does the Spirit change? Is all of a sudden there a difference when you walk into the camp? I wonder how we're doing in those private arenas. Wonder how we're doing with the bear and the lion. Can I tell you, we all have them. And some of us today need to say, Lord, I need some help killing the bear in my life. I need some help killing those lions. They're trying to come and take away from me the things that you've entrusted my life with. And I want to be a steward of what you've given me my time, my resources, my talents. Lord, I want them to all be for you. And I don't want the enemy to get even one of them. I wonder how our private war is going. Do we have God's power resting upon us? Or are we just concerned with making a public appearance? I grew up in a pastor's home, and I'm going to tell you something. When you're made to go to church... Every time the doors are open as a kid and you don't fully understand everything back then, it's really easy to put on an act and to be something outwardly that you know on the inside you're not. But when God gets a hold of the inside, what a difference He can make. What a difference He can make. We read this passage and we so often think of the battle of Philistines with Israel. We think of the battle of David and Goliath. To be honest with you, it's almost an anticlimax. After fighting the bear and after fighting the lion, David doesn't even hardly have to try when he comes to Goliath, does he? By the way, notice this. The only battles that David had to put his hands on 
were the battles with the bear and the lion. God just used a simple rock to kill Goliath. Oh, that we would put our importance and our focus on the internal battles, the battles that nobody sees, and say, God, give me power in them. Help me, help me to live this day, regardless of who's watching, in a way that will bring power upon my life from your Holy Spirit, in a way that will glorify you. Oh, that we would be these type of folks. Let's stand together, shall we, with our heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, there may be some folks here this morning that have been saved an awful long time. There's been some lions and some bears that have come along. Maybe they've even stolen the sheep. We need to go out after them. Get it back and say, not not this sheep, you're not. Not this one. No, you're not going to have that one. Maybe we need to kill some bears and some lions in our lives. Lord, before you'll ever use us to kill a Goliath, before you'll ever use us to do some great work to deliver the nation, Lord, it may just be delivering the flock. It may just be delivering just that one sheep of our life. Father, I pray that you would help Christians all over the room this morning to recognize the urgency and the importance of the private arenas of our lives and the battles that go on there on a daily basis. Father, I'm so tired of hearing Christians, good people, that fall into sin. You scratch your head and you wonder, what happened? What happened? The bear came along and the lion came along. And we didn't think the one sheep was that important. So we let another and then another and then another. Father, bless the invitation this morning, and I pray that you would help there be some Christians this morning that will rededicate their hearts and their minds and their lives to you. That will say, by your power and by your grace, we will take a stand for what is right, regardless of the cost. Not having a perception that is blinded, having a perception that is filled with the power, a perception of faith as we see it through the eyes of faith. Lord, if there's a Christian or an unsaved person here that needs to trust you as their Savior, I pray that you'd help them to know that even though the message has been primarily for Christians, help them to know and to realize this morning that you love them with all of your heart, that you did not come into this world to condemn them. Lord, you came to save them, to seek them out. Lord, they're already condemned. Help them to understand that. That's not something you've done. That's something they've really willingly chosen. They're already condemned. You're coming to save them. Lord, help them to understand that matter this morning. That if they'll simply put their faith and trust in your shed blood at Calvary, that you will forgive them their sin and give them a home in heaven for all of eternity. I pray that you'll bless the invitation time and, Lord, speak to hearts. I pray that you'll do a work that we cannot do in the hearts of men. Bless the preaching. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will do His work. In Jesus' name, amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. We'll have the piano and organ just play a hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, our altars are open. If you need someone to pray with, we'll be glad to pray with you. If you'd like to come and just pray by yourself, you're welcome to.
If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I urge you this morning, please don't leave here lost. Please. Come forward and allow us to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved this morning. Maybe some Christians got some bears in their life they need to get rid of. Maybe some lions. They've come and gotten a sheep or two. We ask God to give us the power to go after them. We have victory in the private arenas of our life.